0: Welcome to Chasing 3 Hours, a podcast about what runners are chasing, why they keep pushing themselves, and what keeps them curious. I'm Josh Peterson. Today's interview is brought to you by Peak Performance. Stop by one of their four Omaha metro area locations and mention this podcast, Chasing 3 Hours, for $15 off of your first pair of shoes at regular price. Before we get to today's interview with Mindy Kuhlman, I wanted to say thank you So much for tuning into Chasing 3 Hours, for downloading, subscribing, rating, reviewing, and sharing with a friend as well. I read a statistic before I started this in the summer that most podcasts only last six months, so when I got to early December, that marked the six-month window for Chasing Three Hours, and it has been so fun to go past that for another month and a whole lot more to come. I already have multiple interviews recorded for 2024, and I am so excited for you to hear them. This has been a passion project for me. My day job is in Sports Talk Radio in the Omaha, Nebraska area, and as running has taken such a stronghold in my life uh, over the last four years, this This has become such a joy and such a pleasure. I have had some incredible guests along the way. Old friends, new friends, whether it's in person or over the internet, it has been so much fun talking to so many people since the beginning of this summer. I'm looking forward to 2024. Thanks again for tuning into Chasing 3 Hours this year. Let's get to today's episode and today's interview is with Mindy Kuhlman, a self-described enthusiastic weirdo. She runs for miles and miles and we discuss how running has become a way of life and what makes the trail scene so, so special. Plus, 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 finishing Western States but not getting a buckle, and a whole lot more. Enjoy today's interview with Mindy Kuhlman. Mindy Kuhlman, welcome to Chasing 3 Hours.
1: Thank you. Good to be here.
0: Thank you so much for stopping by. I begin every conversation by asking my guest about how their most recent run went. Was yours yesterday? I f- realized as the day went on, I forgot to check and see if you had one today. So was it yesterday?
1: It was yesterday, yes.
0: And so what was the distance? What were you aiming for? And, and were you able to succeed?
1: <laughs> so I'm currently recovering from a race. And so this was supposed to be my first track speed workout post-race. But I knew I wasn't recovered so I was aiming for about five miles, got over my five miles, but did not hit any kind of speed that I was maybe anticipating. And when the first uh, interval came around, I decided that was, uh, it was okay to scrap any goals and just, you know, give myself a little grace and push, but not push too hard. Yeah. So yeah, it was I was good.
0: I was, look- good. I was looking at your recent stretch, and so I just want to <laughs> make sure I have all of this right. So uh, you were less than a month off of your most recent 100-mile race, mm-hmm. um, which was your second of those in as many months because you did one in September as well. That's correct. And then also looking back to earlier in the year, you've done multiple 50-milers, you did a 135-mile race, and you did Cocodona 250. Correct. So you've done all of that this year, <laughs> not to mention the obvious training and, and that stuff too. So how do you think your body has held up with, with the 2023 that you've had?
1: <laughs> That's a great question. So, coming off of the one thirty-five that I had back in February, I that took a little bit longer to recover. I learned a lot of lessons after that race and took those into the Coca Dona two hundred and fifty, and you know that was very beneficial when it came around to that race to have had that experience and to have had some uh, challenges at that one thirty-five. Leading up to the most recent months, right before I did Superior 100 in September, I assisted Jody Seminole with running across Nebraska. Yeah. And I, I have done Superior five other times, so this was just a finish for me, just keep my streak going, and it's just a race that I truly love. And so I prioritized Jody's run across Nebraska, and I... Did 210 miles with her, Ooh. wrapping up those 210 miles over a 10-day period, one week out from superior hundred. So I knew oh my gosh. <laughs> I knew going into superior that was gonna be really, really rough. And I was probably around mile 25 that I had this thought of I wish I could just take a nap. (laughs) (laughs) A nap just sounds so good right now. But I knew what I had gotten myself into. And so I accepted it. I accepted there were no goals. There was going to be no time uh, that I was really necessarily going to be proud of. And so I just settled in and made it fun. Yeah, I'm not always the most social when I race. I, I am in training and things like that. But... This time I decided I'm gonna I'm gonna meet the people around me.
0: Interesting. So just approach it in a different way than you had before.
1: Yeah. And I mean it was awesome, actually. I had so much fun. When I came into the aid station at mile 43, I even told my crew, I said, Oh my gosh, I have so much to tell you guys. <laughs>
0: <laughs> were they like, Whoa, this is a new this is a new Mindy. They
1: were. I mean, they were laughing so hard. And actually I didn't even remember saying that until my brother <laughs> reminded me later, and he's like, So what do you have to tell me? I'm like, what are you talking about? And <laughs> And so, you know, i even though I was tired, it was hard. and of course, it got painful, you know, towards the end yeah i I just had a blast. I had so much fun in that experience. And coming out of that a few weeks later, well, uh, two weeks later, I was running with Jody, mm-hmm. and long story short, she found a discount code. <laughs> to this other race which we decided was a great idea so we didn't know if it was going to work we just put it in the discount code to see if it would process and and it did it worked (laughs) yeah and i said oh well you know it's a good thing i don't have my credit card on me i can't i can't finish this so jody grabs her credit card slaps (laughs) it on the table and says we'll go ahead so, I registered for that one, and so that race was just over two weeks ago. Uh-huh and i
0: you were the only one who finished, right? That's correct, okay now, so you're the first year're the last year're the only finisher what What happened at this race?
1: Oh my goodness <laughs> so naturally, I wasn't completely recovered from the last few months, Sure. I've had this ongoing just tiredness, actually, Jody and I talked about it last Sunday, just. She's been tired since her run across Nebraska and, you know, kind of that being smart as runners and giving ourselves recovery and things. So this race, I just, I don't think there was any way to anticipate how it was going to go. It's incredibly rocky. It's in the Ozarks. It's kind of considered one of the harder trails, you know, in that area and all over the race director's website, she had put this race is hard. Do not underestimate this course. And several of the hundred milers had dropped by mile 17.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: Yeah. And wow. (laughs) when I got to mile 24, I told Jody and my other crew person, Jeff, I said, you're not going to be able to run with me for a long time. This is going to take a long time before you're going to be able to join. And, so what made it so difficult, not only is it very rocky mm-hmm. and a lot of climbs and steep climbs, the, tree, the trail was also very overgrown in mm-hmm. places. Okay. So you were essentially, you know, bushwhacking to get through some of these. And I mean, I was bloody, like the whole race, just going through thorn bushes and different things. And the, the rocks also had a lot of moss on them, so slippery. Yes, Oof. and I was out there for forty-four hours, and it rained for forty of those.
0: Oh. <laughs> That's <sounds> terrible.
1: <laughs> you know, the only good news is that if I was crying, it was washing it away, and no <laughs> one would know.
0: <laughs> and you have—you are a board member, or you have been a board member. Are you still a board member? I am. And, yes. And so, uh, one of the the processes of of you doing that is making sure that the trail is clear, right, or that you have like a path to run run on in one of these races, correct?
1: That's correct. And, you know, I guess it's all in what the race director wants that race to be. Sure. And I have seen on on social media since that since the race ended that they're doing a lot of work on those trails. And mm. she made a post about it, too, of saying, like, we're going to clear this. We're going to, you know, put more blazes on the trails. I don't know if you're familiar with blazes down south, but a lot of those uh, courses are marked with, they're like little Plastic pieces nailed to trees. Okay. So like Ozark Trail is blue blazes. I no, that one's white. Anyway, doesn't matter. But that uh, they've been adding a lot of those to mark the course uh-huh. a little more. Uh, the race director did tell us ahead of time to put the course on a watch. So Jody put it on her watch. So I had a watch, her watch with the course, and then I had my watch tracking my distance mm-hmm. and. But the watch wasn't alerting me when I was getting off course. So at one point Jody and I were climbing a hill and we're just climbing and climbing and climbing. And it was very technical.
0: Yeah.
1: And I looked down and I'm like, oh my gosh, we're a half mile off course. Oh. <laughs> so not only did we climb, but we had to turn around and try to get back down this very technical hill. So we couldn't just run down the hill.
0: <laughs> and of course,
1: Jody's legs were more fresh than mine. This was forty some miles in. So she was able to, you know, get down there. She got we got to an intersection and we stood there and we're like, well, did we come from that way or do we go that way? Everything starts to look the same, mm-hmm. and because it was taking so long, it was already well into the race. And things that I didn't really know going into it was she had put descriptions like before you head into the Reading aid station. You'll take the West Highlands loop. When you return, you'll take the East Highlands loop. Then you'll take the ski hill loop or something or other and turn right before the road. So those descriptions were out there and uh-huh. available to us. I just didn't know I needed them. Mm. And so <laughs> we spent a lot of time lost. hmm And the race director was amazing, actually. I know that there were a lot of things that probably most of us would have hoped for to be out there and to have a little more guidance in those things. I mean, at one point, she was with a stick on the ground outlining where my next turns were going to be before the next aid station. Oh, my God. (laughs) And I'm just looking at it like, I have to memorize this. I need to make sure that this sticks in my head. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and so... She has made it a statement since the race that she's extended that cutoff. She lifted the cutoff for me entirely, knowing I was going to be the only person with a chance of, you know, covering the course. And she has put it out there that she's not going to be marking the course next year. She is going to make sure there are more blazes, and she's going to put course descriptions and require it beyond a GPS device. Mm. So, wow. you know, people will know what they're getting into. And to me, that's the most important Part, Yeah. If you advertise you have groom trails, that wasn't advertised. Nobody said that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it could be whatever, you know, you walk into. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> What's it like to finish a race and you get past everything and, and you're the only one? Like, I mean, now that you have, especially with the benefit of hindsight, like, what does that mean to you that you were the only one who finished?
1: You know, I, so I was not aware that I was the only one until mile 85. I was leaving an aid station and someone said, you got this, our one and only. <laughs> And I, I mean, I came to a full stop and turned around and I said, what's that now? <laughs> <laughs> and they said, yeah, you're the only one still going. And, you know, some people might take that as everyone's drop. So I could drop two. I took that as they're counting on me. <laughs> and of course, 85 miles in, I wasn't going to, you know, I only have 15 miles to go, which those 15 miles took over 10 hours. Well, no, they didn't. Not 10 hours. Eight hours. I don't know. A lot of hours. Uh-huh. I mean... It was very, very slow and very hard to traverse terrain and a lot of water crossings and the water was getting higher in places and things like that too. Wow. Just adding another level of challenge. But to get to the finish line, so to speak, (laughs) (laughs) and I come out and there's just the race director and Jody because I had my other, my pacer with me Uh and that's it. And I'm just standing there and there was actually supposed to be another section Mm Mm-hmm. But there was kind of flash flooding going on, and it was no longer safe to send someone onto that section. And she said, what do you have on mileage on your watch? And I said, I'm like 99.24 or whatever it was. And she said, we're going to call that an official finish. This would not be safe to send you on. Mm -hmm. And with all the time you spent lost in the woods. (laughs) And, you know, with trail running, it's always an ish.
0: <laughs> sure. So, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. And of course we had some funny moments out there if uh if you don't mind uh embarrassing moments. Sure. Here. So <laughs> maybe not embarrassing but maybe more uh mortifying for myself. Okay. So <laughs> I've learned that when you're running these kinds of distances, it's easier if you can figure out how to pee standing up. Mm-hmm, sure. And so I just slide my shorts in the liner over to the side <laughs> and, you know, make a wide stance. <laughs> Try not to pee on yourself. Give a little extra push so it, you know, straight stream out. And at one point, I I do this quickly. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, my gosh, the rain is really warm. down. <laughs> <Going> to- <laughs> I had missed the liner. (laughs) So it was like putting a towel under a faucet. It just... (laughs) So, you know, we had a good laugh, you know, Mm -hmm. with that. And you have to find the humor in those things. Of course. Yeah, it just could have been terrible. And my feet, I mean, my feet were absolutely (laughs) destroyed, too. But I apparently have had a few incidents with... uh, Different situations like that, so i earlier in the year when I did that one thirty five I was trying to eat and I kept gagging, and then I kept puking, <laughs> and this was about five miles from the fin no, it was twelve miles from the finish and Every time I would puke, I would say to Jody, oh, my God, I just peed my pants. <laughs> i puke again. Oh, my God, I did it again. Well, finally, I stopped and I squatted and really peed. And I was wearing tights, so I pull up my tights and I, you know, adjust things using my gloved hands at the, the crotch of my pants. And I uh, started heading down the trail and I wiped off my face and I thought, what? <laughs> Why, why are my gloves wet? That's weird. Well, <laughs> and it dawned on me that I had uh, <laughs> yep, yep. yep soaked them a little bit and then wiped it on my face and then I kept doing it again. And,
0: <laughs> and then you would remember every time you do it.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I kept saying that to Jody. Oh my God, I've got to stop wiping pee all over my face. <laughs>
0: Um, So it's funny. I was going to ask you about this, and I feel like this is a perfect time to ask you. So your Twitter bio, uh, among other things, describes you as an enthusiastic weirdo. (laughs) How how does that, how do you think that shows itself in your running? Or I guess maybe in your choices to run such a long distance, you know, so many times inside of a single year?
1: Yeah, you know, I'm not one of those people who really necessarily cares what others think. Yeah, generally. So I'm just going to own all of the weird and crazy things that I do and, you know, tell stories on a podcast that most people would never speak out loud again. You just told and two
0: back to back the people would I never really speak did. Yeah. Oh, and
1: I have so many more, but, you know, I'll <laughs> try to spare
0: some of them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh- why why, why did you start running in the first place? Let's go all the way back. I'm always so oh, curious yeah. about people's stories um their running journey, especially when like a follow up that i would that I always have with someone like you, especially is like, why run so far? Mm. Well, let's go back to the beginning. why run
1: so initially, it was uh after my freshman year of college mm-hmm. and my brother was getting married, and when I tried to put on the bridesmaid dress that I had tried on a year prior and uh, no longer fit. Oh, yeah. And so I started running just to to drop some weight and it worked beautifully. You know, I dropped the weight actually the dress had to be like uh safety pinned on to me on the you wedding lost day too much because weight. yes, exactly. Well, one morning I was living in Lincoln at the time and I was on my way to work and I was stopped for the Lincoln Marathon. Mm-hmm. And I sat in my car thinking What is wrong with these people? (laughs) It's raining. Don't they know they don't have to run in the rain? Uh Well, the next day I got the paper and I read about the marathon. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I should train for that. I would never have weight challenges again. (laughs) I mean, that was truly my thought process initially when I started And I remember when somebody asked me about my first marathon when I'd finally trained up when I was getting ready. And I said, yeah, this marathon is 26.2
0: miles.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I just, I didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't follow Mm -hmm. a training plan. I didn't do a 5K. I didn't do a 10K. I didn't do a half. I just all in went for a marathon.
0: How'd it go for you?
1: Actually, really well. I did the Heart of America Marathon in Columbia, Missouri. Okay. And that was actually the first time I had to stop and poop in the woods during a run, too.
0: (laughs) In the middle of the marathon. Hopefully no wiping of the hands on the face.
1: Nothing like that, thankfully. Yeah, I don't know if I'd still be a runner at that point then. (laughs) But anyway, so I finished in 4.37.48. No, 4.38.47. I guess it doesn't matter. I like numbers a lot. Yeah, sure, me too. So... It took me about three years before I ran a second one. Mm. I continued to run just to stay fit and things like that. But I was in college. Mm -hmm. It was time consuming to train up. And three years later, I did my second one. The next year, I did my third one. And once it became more and more of a way of life, Mm -hmm. and once it became where I didn't have to train up for a marathon, that I could just stay trained and not be injured and things like that. Things just kind of (laughs) progressed.
0: You say it becomes a way of life. How did that start showing itself in the day-to-day of your existence, whether it's the actual running itself or outside of running?
1: Uh, Mornings. Morning runs. I think that was one of the biggest things And going to bed at a decent time so that you can get up and have a good run. And how far do I really want to go? So what time do I really need to get up for this? Mm -hmm. And staying dedicated to a decent bedtime and realizing how that affects the quality of your runs and also getting involved with other runners and having people, you know, that commitment of I'll see you at 5 a.m. Yeah,
0: it's really hard to leave someone high and dry if you're promising to meet at five in the morning.
1: Right. Yeah. So really, it was that very, well, I actually can't really say very slow transition, but that transition of becoming more consistent and becoming more consistent with other people in my life of doing the same hobby, as you know, Mm -hmm. for lack of better words, and it just next thing I knew, it was kind of the same as getting up to shower. Mm -hmm. It was just how I started my day.
0: Yeah, and it seems like it, it had to have been fun for you pretty early on in the process, then, right?
1: Yes, yes. You know, I hear people say all the time. Oh, I could never do that, or oh, I hate running. Well, then, don't do it. Mm-hmm. I love running. Find what you love, you know it's not for everyone. Yeah. I truly enjoy it
0: yeah i I have developed that. You know, where I used to have that other relationship of I have to, I have to, I, ha-, you know, I have to do, I have, <laughs> you know, and I, I've i tried to, I, I think I've told this story on the pod before, but I, I've tried to change my vocabulary where when I go to bed and I talk to my wife about what I have the next day, it's never I have eight miles. It's I'm running eight miles or I get to run eight miles yeah. because I think that there is a difference in the idea of having to because we don't have to. I choose to. It's, it's one of my favorite parts of the day is getting out on a trail and going right. for a run. And so I think that that. I think there's a big difference between those those two things.
1: Absolutely. I I actually I kept saying that during my last race. I kept saying, "Can you believe I signed up to do this voluntarily?" <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> I mean, yeah, no one no one makes us.
0: And so this is happening in college and you today you're a registered dietitian, correct? That's correct. Uh yes. at, at Children's Hospital. So, what what did that mean for I'm i just so curious about your running journey and you're also a dietitian. And so one of the things I feel like a lot of us make is the uh, the mistakes that we make is the fueling component. Mm-hmm. And I imagine that you are, I don't know, learning it or figuring it out on the fly as you're starting to increase your, your distances or running more of the, these races.
1: Yeah. You know, I think the fascinating thing with being a dietitian and going to school while I was doing this, as I was constantly learning more and more and developing in my professional life. And I would study a a section of um, my coursework and say, that's why that happened on the last run. Fascinating. Yeah. And I began to, you know, connect the two and make the two click and, it has, it's been amazing, actually, how often I've been able to have the opportunity to run with another person who says, Hey, can I pick your brain on something? And you know, when you're running, you kind of feel like you have the best clarity of thought uh-huh. ever. And I can just ask them the questions that I need to ask right there and dive into some quick fixes or some lifestyle change fixes that they might need to to take or you know make on their runs or in their personal life Mm -hmm. to make those improvements but it is amazing to know what I know about sodium and you know sodium gets lower you get dehydrated your heart rate increases your effort level is more taxing on the body and so that's one of the things that Jody and I have really worked we really worked this last summer on dialing in For her and I both, especially with her running across Nebraska. Yeah. And those first few days were over 100 degrees. And people discount the benefit of sodium Mm -hmm. and hydration. And, you know, they go hand in hand. One can't be without the other. And the other thing that I like to preach to people is that effort level. (laughs) There is no nutrition trick or gimmick or anything out there that can negate starting too fast mm. you know yep. and if you are pushing past an effort level in that you do in your training you're going to deal with GI issues <laughs> yeah. it's just a fact of life and I've been doing this for so long but I'm still human and I still get caught up in that at times mm-hmm. and that was one of the things that happened to me at at that 135 eventually I was having a hard time taking in nutrition I threw yeah. up in those things And at Coca-Dona, that was one of my biggest goals was to keep my heart rate low. Mm -hmm. Never let my heart rate become where it was hard to talk or anything like that. And I never once gagged. I didn't, I mean, and I took in sodium every 20 minutes. You know how hard that is to do for 111 hours straight. (laughs) What
0: were you doing? Like the salt stick? T- uh, I things? was
1: doing the fast shoes uh-huh. and salt caps. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. And if if I was gonna be thirty minutes before getting into an aid station, I'd skip it in favor of doing a liquid IV mm-hmm. just to get that palate, you know, a break. Sure. And but the amazing thing was I took in something like eighteen cheeseburgers during that race. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and you, I had, how do you think your stomach handled all that?
1: Great, yeah. But I kept my effort level, you know, to where I could digest and things like that. You know, when you're running a marathon and you're pushing and you're (laughs) running at a at a different aerobic capacity, you're not going to digest a cheeseburger, Uh, no. And you're not going to expect to, and you shouldn't if you're going to do well. But in that context, I had pizzas, I had pasta, I had breakfast sandwiches. I mean, ramen noodles. I ate so much food the entire time. Yeah, and. It was amazing. It was the most dialed in I've ever felt I had my nutrition.
0: Interesting. Yeah. Gosh, and you're eating all sorts of delicious foods while you're at it, too.
1: Oh, yeah. And <laughs> one of our friends, uh, Paul Crispin, who is with us, he has a few pictures of me eating cheeseburgers <laughs> that are rather unflattering. <laughs> whereas very, very hungry.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Back to my conversation with Mindy Kuhlman in just a moment, but first a word for Peak Performance, the first ever sponsor for this podcast Chasing 3 Hours. First of all I want to give a huge shout out to them as 2023 comes to a close for jumping on board with me a couple of months ago. I have really appreciated that crew. They have helped me over the years improve at running and they have been a great first sponsor of this podcast and I know that they have helped listeners of it as well and you can stop by today. Omaha's only locally owned running store for 30 years, stop the guessing, go to an expert. I know there are a lot of shoes online, but the personal touch is what has helped me improve. They will take you through their five-step gait analysis process. They're going to determine your arch type. They're going to determine your lower leg alignment, and then they will find a shoe that will help you. Again, there are four locally owned stores in the Omaha, Nebraska metro area. And if you stop by and mention chasing three hours, you can get $15 off of your first pair of shoes, at regular price. Back to my conversation with Mindy Kuhlman. So going back, you were a. You mentioned some of these marathons that you're running early on. So you're a marathon road runner until 2010, mm-hmm. and that year you participate in the run total run 20 miler. You've told the story before about how you were like 20 miles. Cool. Yes. This will be awesome. <laughs> so it, it, it was. I mean, you were. You've said it. You were very sore the next day. It was difficult. What it is? What is was it about that day, that race, that sent you down the path that you find yourself on today?
1: The atmosphere, the Mm. camaraderie, the trees, the trail, the dirt, and the different type of sore. Mm. I was doing a marathon a month and (sighs) I would come away achy sore. You know, it hurt in my joints. Like everything just kind of was like, like, your bones. Right. And, you know, I've had some decent time at my marathons and such. But when I went and did that, and even though 20 miles took me 4 hours and 20 minutes, as opposed to a 3.30 marathon, I was muscle sore and my stabilizers were sore and my lower abs were sore Mm. and, you know, just trying to sit upright, I had to roll over (laughs) onto my stomach and then swing my feet to the ground because I couldn't do that motion and... Again, I guess maybe it kind of goes back to that same mentality of if I've trained for a marathon, I'll never have, you know, weight issues. Well, I probably had a little bit of that after that 20 miler of like, wow, this is a really good workout. I want to keep doing this. And not that I love being sore, but I like knowing that my effort was, you know, a a benefit in some way. That might have been how trails initially started. Uh Uh-huh but then i just fell in love with the actual doing of running trails and,
0: and obviously the community.
1: yes the community
0: yeah i wanted to ask you about that because we you you mentioned it at the beginning of the answer and we hear about that a lot um you know whether it's road running or the trail scene but there just seems to be something about that that stands out with so many folks like yourself. What, what is it? like it's For someone like me who hasn't ever... I haven't participated in yeah. it yet. I'm very curious and I plan on it at some point in time. I just I have all these goals that I want to get to in the marathon before I, I start going into the other stuff. What is it about that, that scene that you find so appealing?
1: Well, I have one really good example. Okay. Uh, and actually, it's the son of... So, one of my friends, Bob Hall, he helped at Coca-Dona this year. Mm-hmm. His son, Matt was at Flat Rock 50K in 2014. And I had had a heat injury earlier in the year. And going out, it's an out and back, very technical, very hot. It got up to 90 some degrees that day. And being an out and back, you know, you're 15 and a half out and 15 and a half back. And going out was good, but I started getting a little shaky. And Matt ran with me all the way out. And when we turned around, I started getting sick. And he could have continued at the pace he was going Mm -hmm. and he could have finished, you know, double the time and just be done. And instead, he stayed with me. There were times where I would take one step and everything would turn black and I would have to sit down. Mm. I'd take another, get up, take another step and everything would turn black. And, you know, that was towards the end. And I kept saying to him, you, I'm so grateful to you, but you don't have to stay with me. He stayed with me. Mm. He was concerned for my safety. And at that point, he I don't, I mean, just goodness of his heart. I don't think he felt obligated. I think he cared. And that's one thing I don't feel like I always see in a marathon in a road, you know? Sure. People might say, you okay? Good, bye. I'm going after
0: a BQ right now.
1: Yeah. And just that mentality of, I mean, he ran across the the finish line side by side where he knew I was okay then. And then I puked on the race director's <laughs> shoes. So, <laughs> you know, and that that's the difference. And so many times out on the trail, and I think Jody has mentioned this in a podcast or two as well, where somebody is having a hard time and you stop and you're like, hey, take this, have this, take this from me. Yeah. And I did that at Coca Dona, in the first, 10 miles, you're climbing in the Bradshaws, and it's 90 degrees, direct sun, there's no shade, and it's May, and not everyone's used to it. And I would stop, and I'd pull out a handful of salt, and I'd say, chew three of these right now, and take about six gulps of water, but stay here until that absorbs. Yeah. And we all care, and it's a shared suffering, too.
0: That's a good way to describe it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're all in it for the same thing, and you're all trying to get to the same goal, and it becomes less about a time and more about finishing. Mm-hmm. The experience. Uh, yeah, yeah.
0: Have you noticed a change in the scene lately? Like, obviously, a lot of money has been pumped into it, you know, like the, some brands that maybe weren't involved per- previously or suddenly involved. Have you Have you noticed that at all, or does it still feel... It seems like, to me, as an outsider, it seems like kind of underground. Do you still feel that, that it's that way, if that's an app description?
1: Yeah, uh... I know there are some race organizations that have really, uh, I guess you could say, commercialized their trail running series yeah. and different things like that. I don't personally participate in a lot of those. I mm. mean, I do Cocodona, and that's Aravaipa, and they're huge. They're wonderful, though. They care about the runners, and they put a lot yeah. into their races. I haven't seen it in the races that I do. Like, when I go do Superior 100, it's still rugged and relentless and remote and I feel the same feelings out there that I did the first time I did it six, well, 2017, six years ago. So to me, those things haven't changed. And I feel like in our, well, you mentioned earlier, I'm on the board for the goats here in Mm -hmm. Omaha and we're pretty steadfast in trying to make sure we keep that same atmosphere that people stepped into trail running for and you know, foster that and continue it going.
0: That's very cool. What what would you describe or how would you describe, I guess, that, that scene here in Omaha or I guess in this area, you know, I, I, I remember I talking about it with Jody a couple of months ago and just like when someone from here will go to one of these races and they're like, Nebraska, you know, obviously we've had some pretty talented runners around here go win some pretty big races. So I have to imagine that that, that conversation has maybe shifted over the years, but uh, it seems like the scene around here in particular, is it seems very, very special, um, from just the limited conversations that I've had with people.
1: Yeah, it, the scene around here is what I have fallen in love with. In fact, I had an opportunity. I used to live in Kansas City, and I had the opportunity to go back a couple years ago with a job offer and those things. And I opted to stay here, mm. even though at the time it would have been a step up. I, I did not feel I could leave the scene here. I, I mean, I've, I love it. Plus, my family is around here. But One of my favorite things when you talk about what people don't expect when they come here and they're so surprised by is going out to Hitchcock. When you have people out there saying, well, it's the Omaha Trail Runners. I really thought this was going to be flat and they're surprised. Yeah. And we do have a lot of competitive runners around here. I mean, Jody and I. There's not a lot that we will quit for, mm-hmm. and we might not either one of us be the fastest runners out there. We might not be front page like Casey Lickta, you know, and, and she's amazing. But we're stubborn,
0: we're strong-willed, <laughs>
1: and 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 we get it done. And we also, when we have the opportunity, and we see another runner out there who wants to quit in those things, we like to work on. Hey, you don't have to. Yeah, this will end. Just keep in mind, come Monday, this will be over. So just keep going. And get to Monday. Right. And we try to instill that same level of, you know, don't quit Mm -hmm. in those people. And that's a really fun thing.
0: I love that. So at the beginning, I asked you, you know, why running? And there was the question of why, why run so far? So you, you, you start falling in love with this thing. You like the way it makes you feel, the soreness. It's a different soreness. But there's one thing to do a 20-miler, and there's another to do a 250. So what is it about you that you love those, I mean, 135, 250, 100, whatever it is. What is it about those distances that really gets you going?
1: Yeah, when I did my first 100. It was one of those where I said, I just want to be able to say that I did a hundred and I'm just going to be a one and done. Obviously. Not the case. (laughs) That is not at all how that has gone. And Jody and I have actually talked about this question because we've been asked this question like, why so far? And it's not that we love pain necessarily. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we love the process, we love the challenge. we love the push, we love the drive, we love the finish line, hmm. all of it and in fact, I was pacing Jody at Hard Rock this summer, and we're flatlanders, and she finished that thing, and we're climbing up one of the mountains, and I mean, I think this was a twelve twelve thousand feet, and we were getting close to the finish, and she says. I know I hurt, but I'm going to be really sad when this is over. Mm-mm. And I just started laughing because I get it. Mm. And when it comes to like doing coca dona and those things, again, that was one of those where I said, I think I just want to do one, two fifty or two hundred plus. And I know it hurt during. I know there were times during the race where I said, I'm never doing this again. In the all the while knowing I would do it again. Yeah. And. The first year that I went to Cocodona, I went and I helped pace my fr- our friend Scott.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And he races very different than I do. He would take off and run really hard and really fast until he would crash. And then he'd you know slow down and then get to the aid station and take a nap for a long time. And then get out and run really fast. And he did awesome using that method. That mm-hmm. method works for him. That method doesn't work for me. <laughs> <laughs> so the next year when I went with Jody, and I saw how she raced she races very much like i do like that slow and steady nap when you have to when it's imperative for a little recovery and maybe for your wits and some lessened uh hallucinating sure and or decreased hallucinating (laughs) and and i thought okay i think i could do this and the kind of sick part of me said i think i might want to suffer this much i think i might want to know how that feels Interesting. And, yeah. And when I was out there this year, when we were about a half mile from the finish, I told Jody, I'm not running again. I am walking to the finish line, across the finish line, and I'm done. <laughs> and she kept saying, Okay. I was saying, I am. I'm not running anymore. I'm walking all the way. And she'd say, Okay. And <laughs> sure enough, as soon as I turned the corner all of the energy from the finish line. You could hear it, and it was a block and a half away, which, to be honest, I thought it was a half block away. (laughs) And I just took off, and I don't know what pace I was running, but we were moving, and she even said she was shocked and took her a second to realize, oh, she's really running. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, we ran across that finish line, and I was no more than done. I'm like, okay, let's do this again (laughs) next year. (laughs) And, I mean... I don't know. It's kind of it's kind of addictive. It's Mm -hmm. it's amazing the things that you see, the experiences you have, the conversations that, again, shared suffering with other people. And I've said so many times on the top of a mountain, whether it's at a sunset or a sunrise, how many people aren't getting to see this? Mm. We get to see this because we're doing these things. And running has taken me to some of the most beautiful places I've ever I've ever seen with my own real eyes, you yeah. know. So. And you're doing hard things. Yeah, All, <laughs> we use that phrase a lot. We yeah. like to do hard things. Yeah.
0: What What goes into your selection of races? Like, how do you decide what what ones you want to do?
1: <laughs> Some of it depends on goals. I tend to gravitate towards the difficult. Mm. If it says it's hard, if it says you know a lower finisher rate and things like that, I'm like, oh, I want to do that. <laughs> I like that. Uh, but. I well, I lost my my father in 2020 in October of 2020, and so following that, I needed something different to focus on, and so I told again my my friend Scott that I wanted to PR hundred. So at that time, I used my selection of a fast hundred. Mm. I went to Rocky Raccoon, and we did speed work for you know three months, and and I I. Completed that goal, and it gave me something very good to focus on, and actually, it was some of my best running of my life was that following year of of hitting PRs, and I hit a 100-mile PR and a 50K PR. I don't know if I... No, I didn't hit a 50 PR. But at that time, because I was going for those goals, I chose easier races. Mm. And it is a different feeling. You can hurt in a completely different way, but almost the same as those difficult races. And that was the only 100 where I didn't walk. I ran the full distance. And generally, you take walk breaks yeah. just to be able to complete the distance. So, yeah, but I love the difficult ones.
0: Uh, when I had Jody on, I asked her about the idea of running as healing, obviously, given what she's gone through over the last year. You just mentioned your father passing in 2020. What has running as healing meant for you?
1: It's, in a sense, an escape. Mm -hmm. You know, and I am a person who will face my feelings head on. I mean, I spent my alone time crying and mourning and truly suffering through the pain of loss. I don't shy away from that because I know it's the only way to truly heal. But then when I got to run, that was my happy time.
0: Mm.
1: And I could talk to my friends and I could laugh and I could enjoy life and I could get those endorphins and the improvement I was feeling with all the speed work was exciting and something to work towards. And yeah, it is a, a healing. And, but for me, it was also part of the process of mourning and then allowing myself to be happy in a moment and allowing myself that to recognize and accept that good, good things could still come into my life. Yeah. Even though I had just gone through this really awful drawn out loss and, Jody is very much the same in that sense of running as healing, as you know, you know, running across Nebraska. And it is such a big part if that's what you're inclined to do.
0: Yeah. I was having a conversation with someone uh, on a run on Sunday. Um, and he was asking me because I, I, I'm divorced uh, and now remarried. And he was asking me about my relationship with running as I was going through my divorce. And it was very unhealthy Um, it was I I always tell the people the story of like going to the gym and running on the treadmill and and in hindsight realizing that I was almost doing it to feel something because I'm just increasing Mm. the speed for like no real reason and I'm running way too fast and then I'm dropping off and I'm just doing this over and over and so I got to the end of the story and I was basically like yeah so it wasn't very healthy the way that I was doing it I wasn't eating as well as I should have been I was probably drinking too much at the time and so it's good hearing your answer because it seems like it was you had these times of where you could allow yourself to really maybe uh, escape into the, the yeah. sorrow, but then you would have the time where, hey, this is going to be my time for happiness. And like yeah. so that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah. Uh, not to dive into non-running topics necessarily, but I had a really good example set in front of me by my parents when I was a child. So I lost my brother, my family, my parents lost their son, you know, and they taught us the value of mourning and they taught us the value of also Allowing yourself to feel those moments of happy and they drew closer instead of letting it tear them apart and be destructive. And so when it came to processing losing my dad, who was for me, the toughest loss of my life because I was very close to him, I was able to use running in part of that as healing.
0: Mm. So, what, what did he impart on you as it pertains to running, do you think?
1: He was very wise and very calm. He never he never lost his cool in situations. He never panicked. He never uh he never really got stressed.
0: That's a good I lesson mean, to learn, man. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible.
1: Yeah, and you know there's times in running, especially the kinds of <laughs> running that we do that you know, you're inclined to to freak out, panic and oh my gosh and and different things um he also taught us to love completely the things that we're passionate about. And that has allowed me to be okay with my relationship with running, even when I'm not running. Mm-hmm. So when I take two weeks off, I know it's still there. It, it's still loved. It's going to get its attention soon. Yeah. So um, he was he was incredible. He also taught me a lot about listening to others. He would always listen. He would take that time with no agenda of his own. So Yeah.
0: That's awesome. He was a good
1: man. Yeah.
0: Um, you just mentioned taking two weeks off earlier. You also said, you know, uh, when the first question about your recovery period and, and how that's going. How are you at that? How are you at the post race recovery period? I, it's so funny. I. I practice what I preach in terms of I slow down after my races and I really do keep my mileage low and I follow, I follow the plan, but I also get really annoyed when my heart rate is higher than it should be because I'm like comparing myself to, you know, three weeks out from the race when I'm feeling at my absolute best versus three weeks post race when sometimes the gears just aren't going to be turning exactly like they should. How are you at those post recovery, post race periods?
1: So much better than I used to be. (laughs) So in 2011, I did the Lake Tahoe Super Triple and I ended up with a stress fracture in my distal tibia. That was a marathon Friday morning, a marathon Saturday morning, and then Saturday night, 72 miles. (laughs) (laughs) Stupid. (laughs) (laughs) But only one other female had ever finished in the history of the race. So I wanted to be the second one. So I did it. and Let's go. Right. Yes, exactly. And it was all on pavement. Oh. Yeah. And so when I came away from that and I knew it was bad, I knew I was injured beyond like Something's I going just, on. Yeah. And when I found out that I had actually multiple stress fractures and I had to take six weeks off or eight weeks, it might have been eight weeks, and I went nuts. I mean, I remember two weeks <laughs> into it sitting on the side of my bed one morning and just being like depressed yeah, and really, really struggling with it. But I also think that running at that time maybe wasn't always my healthiest relationship, kind of like what you described, you know, going through your divorce where it was my escape from all the stress in my life. Mm-hmm. And it's not that for me anymore. And so now when I need to take that time off actually really good to myself i eat like a crazy person yes. i mean all the food and i sleep 10 hours a night easily i mean those those two weeks that i've had off i have slept more than i ever do when i'm regularly training and that's how i know when i'm ready to start again mm. when i can't sleep mm. for ten eight 8 to 10 hours when i'm naturally waking up at that seven hour mark okay it's it's time. Yeah. I can get back to it. But I emotionally and mentally and emotionally handle it really well now. Yeah.
0: It's funny so. you say that. So, as of the time of this recording, two days from now, uh, an interview with Pete Kostelnik will drop. And he is uh, recovering from a car accident that he got into a couple months ago. And he told me, he's like, I'm sleeping so terribly right now. And he mm-hmm. is just, it's obvious how antsy the guy is to getting, you know, back out there. And and I was saying something similar in that, like, post-race, it's, I, I wish that I had that. I feel like I sleep worse because I'm not as tired. Because I'm not oh. as tired from the miles out out running. And so, very, very interesting. Well,
1: maybe try 100. You might yeah, feel different. You know
0: what? I, think, <laughs> I think I will. Um, so, we, we <laughs> talked about it earlier that you're a board member uh, of the Greater Omaha Area Trail Runners. What does that entail? What 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 is your description of that job, I guess?
1: Yeah. So over the last few years, and actually we had a board meeting last night and uh, Ron, who's the president, he and I were talking a lot about our duties and our passion for it. And so I design and mark all the courses except for Hilly Goat half and feast and feathers half. Okay. So I do all of the other ones. Uh And Ron says it's his way of keeping me from being too involved not let me do Hilly Goat. (laughs) Uh, So I do all of that, and I also direct a couple of them. So I do Crown of the Crest, which is a 100-miler in May, and it has some other distances with it, too, and actually a really cool new distance. We're doing a double-crown challenge, Mm. which will be a marathon Saturday and a half-marathon on Sunday. So... To me, that's just something unique, and you'll have linking medals to go with that if you complete both distances. Or you can do them as singular. Very cool. Yeah, so I'm really excited about that one. But And I co-direct Tales and Trails, and I co-direct Dizzy Goat, and then I assist with all the other ones. But... Really, I think that my enthusiasm for these races and when I talk to other runners and I love talking runners into signing up for these Mm -hmm. and then seeing them there, I get really excited. And, you know, it's it's something that's very rewarding. And I mentioned earlier that I love numbers So when I design a course, I like, you know, if it's supposed to be three miles, it should be like Mm 3.01, you know, and when I'm out there working on that course, that is exactly what I want to come out of it.
0: Yeah. You have an infectious personality. So it seems like this is like a perfect thing for you to do. (laughs) Thank
1: you. Yes. Yes. It is a very good fit for me.
0: How did you get into it?
1: So I, when I lived in Kansas City, that's where I started trail running and I started into leading some of the group runs and things. And then when I moved here... I fell in as, you know, as you do, you kind of jive with certain people and you start running with those people. Well, I started running with the race directors of Tales and Trails. Mm -hmm. And when one of them who had designed the course moved away and my reputation was well, basically a human GPS. <laughs> I, I, can, I can run all these different trails and then in my head say, okay, if we connect that over there with that and put in that little section right there, that should get us exactly 13.1 and then have it be right. And so they asked me to step up and be a co-director. So slowly over time, I stepped in and helped with some of the courses and then I was designing and marking the course assisting in with... Uh, goats trail runs and the next thing i i knew i think it was 2018 when i was asked to be one of the board members and now i kind of can't imagine my life without it yeah you know and i used to run the races and it's really enjoyed to be enjoyable to be on the other side uh-huh and to also look at these races from a runner's perspective sure And try to make it that experience for them.
0: That's very cool. So again, back to you as a runner. What haven't you done that you really want to do? Uh, You know, I went to your ultra sign up page. And and at one point after looking at a lot of things, I did the control F and I searched Western just to see. Uh Has she run Western (laughs) States? And there was a DNF in there from 2017. So I was wondering if that was among the things that maybe you'd like to do again or something else.
1: It absolutely is. So... I had some severe heat exhaustion there Mm. and I wrote a blog on it right after finishing and things just kind of went from bad to worse. I puked the first time at mile 43 and then the second time I puked was mile 57 and then I never stopped and it got to the point where I I assume from talking to my doctor after that my stomach was essentially like hemorrhaging and I was puking up blood and... Yeah, and I crossed the finish line, which was incredible that they let me do that. I was actually on the top of Roby Point, which is a mile from the finish, when the time ran out. Oh. And I was sitting on a rock, and I would just, I can't believe it's over. It's its really, this is it. I came this far, and I brought this crew, and I worked, and I trained, and I put in the lottery. And it's
0: right there.
1: And and I, it's done. Yeah. And a uh, volunteer looked at me and he said, you're going to go cross that finish line at least, right? And I said, I'm allowed? And he says, "Uh, yeah, <laughs> go cross the finish line. I stood up, puked, <laughs> and, <then laughs> and I couldn't do it on my own two feet. So I held on to the forearms of my two pacers and we made it the last mile and they kept the arch up for me. So the rest of the finish line had been taken down but they kept the arch up and they kept the clock up. So they let me finish, they gave me a medal but not a buckle. Mm. So naturally that is on my bucket list to go finish. And then um you'll see if you looked that my second DNF was Orcas Island 100 mm-hmm. in Washington. Mm-hmm. And I had had a um I had bone marrow edema of my talus bone.
0: That sounds terrible. (laughs) I don't even know what that means.
1: So essentially, it feels like the bone that articulates over your foot is trying to explode from the inside out, Oh, and it's not when the weight goes on your foot, it's when the weight starts to come off your foot that the pain hits, and so I'd had that injury in um, December leading up to Orcas Island, so that would have been 2015 and then into 2016, and so I'd had eight weeks off running. So I had two weeks to train, two weeks oh. to taper, and then go run. Yeah. <laughs> Basically when I got back to running. And so I knew that it was probably not gonna happen for me, but I'd bought my plane ticket, I'd registered, I'd done all these things, and I thought, maybe I'll get lucky and I can do it on base, you know, my base training. And so I I probably could have made the cutoff at mile seventy-five. There was also a chance I really didn't want to. (laughs) That bone marrow edema had been very painful and it popped back up. And I came in, I had like seven minutes on cutoff. I was also soaking wet because it had snowed and it was about 30 degrees. So I ran in the bathroom to change, probably could have changed faster. I walked out and I said, all right, I'm heading back out. And they said, I'm sorry, you're a minute past cutoff. Mm. And I was like, oh, Darn. <laughs> <laughs> so, hindsight, yeah, I could have suffered through that. And the person I am now, the mental toughness that I had developed since then would have kept going, you know, for anything that I had in me. Mm-hmm. But at that time, I don't, I just didn't quite have <laughs> that same. Um, so, that one's also on my bucket list to go yeah. get my redemption. And then there's, there's a hundred and, uh, North Dakota. I know that sounds really random, but uh, i read about it. it. sounds super, super tough. Finish times are long.
0: So this is exactly what you aim for. It's
1: my jam. Tough.
0: Not as many finishers. It's going to be a long time.
1: Yep. Yep. Mm. So I want to do that one. And then there's other ones that um, there's one on the same weekend as Superior, but I want to get to 10 finishes at Superior before I, I jump into a different one. Mm-hmm. I have the uh, Superior gives out a star every year that you put on your hoodie. Okay. And so I have the stars also tattooed on my leg. And I have a row of five, and then I have one more. So obviously I have to finish the row. Mm-hmm. Of so course. So once I get to 10, maybe I'll, I'll look into some other ones in September. But for now, just really like Superior.
0: <laughs> yeah. You mentioned the mental toughness that you've been able to develop. How do you think that that's happened? Is that like a cognizant thing, or is it just something that's naturally happened with you? since like
1: 2016. Both. Uh for one thing, you realize you're not going to die. <laughs> I mean, it sounds crass to say that, but you know, when you when you think about you're going to recover. You're going this is going to end no matter what. So just keep going until they either pull you from the race? Or you get across that finish line on time. And then you get to, to take your time and recover and be okay again. And, you know, move on to the next one. And it's also the amount of pain you're willing to be in. And Jodi and I have talked about that a lot. Of We're both willing to suffer and move in with the pain and just live there for the duration of whatever you have left. She might be tougher than I am. She says she's not. She is. So <laughs> she's probably more willing to push when she's in pain than I am. But you know we get each other that way. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it's fun.
0: What's your favorite part about running,
1: friends? Uh, the camaraderie, uh, the endorphins. I don't know. There honestly, there's so many. That's a hard one to really <laughs> answer. But
0: depends on the day, maybe.
1: Yeah, yeah. But I have developed the best friendships of my life through running.
0: That's awesome. Yes. So I finish every podcast by asking my guest about what they're chasing. It could be a literal time goal. It could be qualifying for something or it could just be a feeling. Mindy Coolman, what are you chasing?
1: Mm. To continue to run long term. To be able to keep doing this. Jody and I see people all the time and we always say, slow down if you want to do this long term. So we we like to say run slow or train slow, race fast. We do our speed work, mm-hmm. but I don't want to break myself. It might sound like I do <laughs> with some of the things that I sign up for. But I love the feeling that you get while you're running. And I want that to continue to be part of my life.
0: I love that answer. Mindy Kuhlman, thanks for joining me today on Chasing Three Hours.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thanks again to Mindy Kuhlman for joining me on today's episode. Thanks again to Peak Performance. Stop by one of their four Omaha Metro area locations and mention this podcast, Chasing Three Hours, for $15 off of your first pair of shoes at regular price. Thanks to Ian Alio for production assistance, as well as music and sound design. Thanks to RIS for the cover art. Head to Chasing3Hours.com for more from me as I write about my experiences out on the running trail, races, and a whole lot more. Email me at chasing 3 at gmail.com. If you liked what you heard today, be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and maybe share with a friend as well. New episodes will drop on Friday mornings. Enjoy your long run this weekend.